Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Teeing Off Podcast. I'm your host, Tarjun McCullough. Now, I'm a pretty humble person, so I'm not going to mention the fact that I have won back-to-back weeks and have won a lot of money in doing so. But I'm not going to mention that because I'm a very humble person. But if I weren't, I'd, I'd go into that. But I'm not going to. What has been going on in the last week? Uh, March Madness, obviously. I don't have to go into that. Hopefully everyone watched that. Nothing really crazy. Nothing really, no big upsets really. But um, I mean, a few. But nothing too crazy other than that Duke-UCF game. Um, the Dirt, the Motley Crue movie, came out on Netflix. Um, I grew up pretty big Motley Crue fan. Not really, I wouldn't necessarily by choice. My older brother was obsessed with Motley Crue, so it was just always on. So I started liking it because I was young. So the first, I would say the first three to five concerts that I ever been went to were Motley Crue concerts. So uh, they're big, bigger part of my childhood and my teenage years. So it was cool. I actually read the book, The Dirt, so it was cool seeing the movie finally coming out. Um, I actually liked it. I saw a lot of people uh, talking negatively about it. Um, But if you know Motley Crue, it really matched the tone of them. And, like, they had to leave some stuff out uh, for time and because Pamela Anderson didn't want her likeness in the movie. But, uh, I don't know, I thought that they captured the vibe of the band and the general feel of the book. And, uh, I don't know, I enjoyed it. I thought Machine Gun Kelly did a really good job as Tommy Lee. And the guy that played Nikki Six was awesome. Uh, pretty much the whole band. It, I don't know. I just I just thought it was a fun movie. Uh, I enjoyed watching it, actually. I know this is not going to be a popular opinion. I actually enjoyed it more than uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody was good. And I thought Rami Malek's acting was better than anyone's acting in this movie. But all the main things in Bohemian Rhapsody were all fabricated. Like, every single main plot point, maybe not every single, but almost every single main plot point was completely fabricated and wasn't an actual thing that happened to the band. So, say what you will about this, but most of the stuff is actually from the book, and, yeah, I don't know, I I liked it. Obviously, there's uh, things that could be improved in any movie, but for a Netflix movie about a band that's thing that they thrived on was debauchery. I thought it was pretty good. I won't spend too much on other stuff, though, this week. I'm going to get into golf. I recommend checking out anyone who uh, likes reading blogs or seeing stuff inside more inside the PGA Tour. Um, a golf.com writer, I believe, I don't, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce his last name. It's Dylan, I think it's Dylan Dethier, D-E-T-H-I-E-R, Dylan Dethier, Dethier, whatever it is. He caddied for PGA Tour player Martin Trainer at the Valspar last week. And they missed the cut, but was, he was really, really open about, like, every aspect from waking up to going to bed, pretty much, um, for the couple of days that they spent together in the practice rounds and the tournament. Um, cu- some really cool tidbits in there. So um, if you're a fan of kind of the inside-the-rope stuff on the PGA Tour, I'd recommend checking out his blog on golf.com. Uh, what else? Rory McIlroy committed to the Canadian Open, so... Uh, the field is progressively every year getting a little bit better, a little bit better. Um, obviously, the RBC um, contract that a lot of these guys have, like DJ, the only reason he's coming, obviously, um, is because he's RBC. Some people would say he's because of Paulina, but let's be real. He's not coming to. He's not coming here because of Paulina. And if he was, Paulina would be here too, and she hasn't. So uh, he's playing for RBC. Rory, now this is a little bit different. I don't think Rory is signed by RBC, 
Uh, I could be wrong on that, but it's the week before the U.S. Open. Rory almost always plays the week before a major. Um, so it makes sense. I think we're going to get a better field this year. Um, I'm interested to see how it affects the Canadian content. Like, we usually have, like, 25 Canadians, but with it being the week before a major, last chance to qualify for a major, I'm interested to see if they still have as many Canadians. But uh, time will tell on that one. Uh, speaking of Rory, he won a few weeks ago, and he had a really, really good quote, actually. Um, someone asked at a press conference, um, and this was after his win, someone asked, uh, I'll just read it verbatim. Question, this consistent spell of your career is very, very different to when you were younger. There was kind of epic peaks and troughs at times, and now it's far, far more consistent. Do you know why that is? Is it just maturity, your personality? What's the change? And Rory's answer was, yeah, I think it's a lot of things. I think it's maturity. I think it's being, I think it's been having a focus over the last six or seven months on my attitude, especially my attitude to golf, and then not letting golf define who I am as a person trying to keep the two things very separate. Because one thing that I used to do in the past is I'd shoot, I'd let what I shot that day influence who I was or my mood or and try to keep those two things very separate. It's something I've worked very hard on because who I am as a person isn't who I am as a golfer. And it took me a while to get to that point where I realized who those two people were. So that has been a big thing. And I think that's been the big difference between the highs and lows of the last few years and the more consistent play, even over the last 12 months. I've had two wins in the last 12 months, but even the play... Even the play in between that has been pretty good. Top five, top tens, giving myself a chance most weeks. Now, that's just a flat-out good answer for someone that clearly um, has developed some self-awareness and self-reflection. He's recently gotten married, and his life is bigger than golf now. And, um, I mean, anyone that has played golf, anyone that I know that's played golf has certainly been guilty of... um, having this happen, and we're not even nearly professional golfers. Like, I know there's been, especially when I was younger, there were days when I would go out and golf, and if I didn't play good, I'd be a, I'd be a pissy little brat for the rest of the day because I'd be just mad, and there's really no one else to blame but yourself in golf, so you kind of just get in a bad mood. Or if you go out and play great, you're in a great mood. And uh, especially for someone that um, it's literally their livelihood every single day to have the self-awareness and and ability to put that to separate the two, especially, I think he's like just turned 30. So at that age, separate the two, uh, be able to go home to his wife and, um, you know, just put the golf behind him. I think that's going to bode well for Rory. Some people think he needs to go the opposite way, be more just all on, in on golf and uh, develop like a more of a killer mentality. I think this allows him to have more of a killer mentality because if all you're focusing on golf, you're, a lot of that focus is going to be on negative things and then this is going to creep in in the big moments. If you're able to just lock in and lock out, I think that's a much more effective way of doing it. And also, there's the... Rory grew up... Rory's one of the biggest Tiger fans of all time. Uh, He's very open about that, and he saw what happened to someone that just dedicates their life, only cares about golf, and apparently getting laid. Uh, That What happened to Tiger? Rory doesn't want to see that happen. You know, there's more to life than just golf, and in fact, that can make your golf game better. So, good for Rory. Uh, I like that quote. Phil Mickelson. Phil is, uh, I've mentioned many times, I'm just enthralled by Phil Mickelson's calves. They, they, they just don't look like they belong on a human body. And if they do, they look like they belong on a bodybuilder. And Phil Mickelson is very, very much not a bodybuilder. Uh, he put out a video. I'm not sure how much of the video I'm going to play, but um, I'll, put a, I'll include a little bit in here. 
I've listened to you, I've heard you, you all want calves like Adonis too. So I'm here with my Phil Kwondo calves, five part series. This is the first part. Get yourself a comfortable chair, untuck your shirt, preferably with a little extra fabric like, like my new Mizunime polos. Have multiple games on at the same time. Relax, extend one leg, and point the toe, pull the toe. Point the toe, pull the toe. Point, pull, we're going to do five each leg. Point and pull, and point and pull. We're going to do five each leg morning and night, and you too can be on your way to having calves like Adonis. Okay, say what you will about Phil, I mean, I don't know really what he was going for there. A uh, little bit funny. Really, like, Phil's the biggest nerd. He's just such a loser when he does things like this. But his delivery is, I'll give him credit, because his delivery, like, he knows it's a joke. Like, he knows it's ridiculous, and his his delivery is pretty spot on. So um, I'm not going to give him credit to say it was, like, the funniest thing in the world or anything like that. But um, obviously he's been hearing all the talk about his calves, and uh, I'll give him like a, I'll give him like a six point five out of ten on content and like an eight out of ten on delivery. And what else? Oh my goodness, Thomas Peters. So he's if you haven't if you don't know who Thomas Peters, he's a European PJ Tour pro, really really good, like great golfer. Well, on the European Tour last week, he had one of the biggest club throws I've ever seen. It looked like. Uh, like, you know when someone's, like, congratulating themselves and they do, like, the hand over the shoulders, like, cupped hands? This guy's, a, this guy's a psychopath. I just scrolled down further into this thread. And, uh... Oh, man. Oh! Oh! <laughs> He's snapping clubs. Okay, Thomas Peters, certified psychopath. Uh, the first video I watched, so he's... He finishes a swing. He's in his follow-through with his clubs over his shoulder. And he just hucks it. Like, he is a lumberjack trying to get the world record on axe throwing for longest toss. This thing goes, I bet you it went further than the ball. This, this club was tossed. Now, I've scrolled down further, and people have been replying with other Thomas Peters things. Absolute psychopath. Uh, there's one where he hits a shot. He's puts a club over his head, like kind of resting it around his resting around his shoulders and, and contracts the hands and snap. Boom. Club snap. Yeah, he's a psychopath. Um, definitely just type in Thomas Peters on Twitter in the search bar. You'll see some stuff, all right? That guy's that guy's got a gotta come things down. He's actually a really good golfer. Like he there's been tournaments where he's like like his talent level, probably top twenty golfer in the world. His head, he's got a John Rom brain. He's maybe he needs to start working with a bomb diffuser. And yeah, if you didn't know about that, check out I did a blog about John Rom working with a bomb diffuser. Seems apt for him. But uh Thomas Peters, kind of cut from the same cloth. He's got the European flair. But that video was really funny. The other spec end of the spectrum, the LPGA's put out this new uh marketing campaign, I guess you could call it. It's called Drive On. It's essentially highlighting the stories of the women and how hard they've had to work to get to where they are and the impact they're making. Um, the first one, I'm going to play in a sec, came out, um, featured Brooke Henderson. I actually saw one the other day. I couldn't find the video, but I'm, I'm sure I could if I really searched for it, but 
you can, you too can find it if you search. Uh, it was Mel Reed, and she was discussing the, um, about how she, I don't know if this was the first time she'd publicly done it, but she came out of the closet in this video. Um, it's first I'd heard of it. I actually interviewed her last year at an LPGA tour event, but uh, that's besides the point. Here's, uh, here's the Brooke Henderson part, and I recommend looking up the Mel Reed one because it's really powerful. This is for every girl who's ever been laughed at or told she doesn't belong. This is for every girl who's been told she's too loud, too quiet, too this, or too that. This is for every girl who thinks her body isn't good enough. This is for every girl who feels she doesn't fit in. This is for every girl who's been told that success and kindness are two different things. This is for every girl who's been told to give up. This is us crushing it for you. So you can crush it for the next girl. So that's sort of the video that spawned the whole thing. As I mentioned, since Mel Reed has put one out, uh, a couple others have put one out. So it's it's obviously a big uh, campaign that the LPGA is pushing. And I'm obviously not their target that they're pushing for it. But I, for one, think it's really cool. And uh, considering I cover more LPG, LPG events than PG events, um, I'm interested to kind of go through these and look at some interesting stories, and it'll give me some interesting story ideas for when I go to these tournaments. Um, but yeah, if you're a golf fan out there and you have a daughter that, or you yourself are a girl, um, show them these videos. It's pretty inspirational, and uh, you know it's, it's obviously beneficial. The more people and the more women you can get into the game of golf, the more beneficial it is for everyone. So um, something there wasn't video of that I was very disappointed by because I actually went to the length of tweeting at the PGA Tour, the PGA Tour Communications, emailing the PGA Tour Communications, because um, Sergio Garcia, who was having an f- amazing round on Sunday, he, I, I had him in my top five, and uh, again, I'm not, I'm not going to mention how well I did, but I will say if it wasn't for Sergio, I would have had five guys in the top 20, but uh, I'm not going to go into that, but Sergio was skyrocketing up the leaderboard on Sunday, and then he got to the 16th hole. And I actually didn't see this until what happened or after it happened. I went to check how he was doing, check his scorecard, and see he had a 9 on the par 4 16th on Sunday. Now, I clicked on... Oh, sorry. I went. Uh, I was at work, so I had a, the ability to go through the broadcast on our uh, video system. So I pulled it up, and they only showed him chipping and putting. They did not show anywhere in the telecast. He hit... So I checked on the on PG Tour website, his uh, shot tracker... He hit two, his first tee shot, boom, right in the water. Re-tee, hits his next one in the water again. And then third shot, third tee shot was okay. But I want to, I really, really need to see the video of his face and his reaction after that second tee shot goes into the water. Because I would bet almost any amount of money that there was not only expletives dropped, but clubs slammed. Um, I'm guessing he threw a hissy fit, and the fact that the video is not out there, maybe it's just a coincidence. But in my opinion, coincidence? I think not. I think he did something that the PJ Tour doesn't want people seeing, and uh, I feel like I don't have enough pull yet to. Well, I don't think I don't. I know I don't have anywhere near enough pull yet to get this video out there, but it's disappointing. And there's a 50 50 chance there's nothing to it. 
but that 50% chance is worth it. I really, really want to see that video. Moving on, though, every story involving Patrick Reed is interesting to me these days. I don't like Patrick Reed, but every time one of these stories comes out, it makes me like him a little bit more, and it makes me like his wife a lot less. So the latest, uh, if you haven't noticed, Patrick Reed hasn't been playing great lately, but it's not like a big slump or anything of that nature. He just hasn't been playing that great. Now his wife called David Ledbetter, who used to be one of the pre- like the prominent um, swing coaches on the PGA Tour, but he doesn't do too much anymore. He's worked with some LPGA Tour golfers. Um, I think he maybe might work with a, few, a handful at most of PGA Tour golfers, but it's if so, it's kept pretty quiet. Um, he used to be all over the golf channel, everywhere. You'd always see his face, um, sort of a weird face. Kind of looks like a like a, a mouse or a little rat. That's the sound I picture him making when he eats. <laughs> but yeah, so Justine Reed calls David Ledbetter and asks if he can come work with Patrick. And David Ledbetter shows up to the range while Patrick's on the range and with Justine and they shake hands and I guess can only assume they went to work. But I, I, another thing I'm really curious about is did Justine do this behind Patrick's back? Like did Patrick know and it was just a coincidence that he just happened to walk up while Patrick was in the middle of a warm-up and it looked like they were being introduced. Like it kind of looked like he was like, wait, what? Like, like, they had a discussion about it or something, kind of an offhand discussion, like, maybe you should get another swing coach. And he was like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm a professional golfer. I'll work it out. Like, this happens to everyone, especially after they win a major, blah, blah, blah. And she still calls, and then he just shows up on the range. If that's the case, I've, I've mentioned before, and, like, this isn't an original idea. I'm not going to try and claim it. But she seems like she's really the puppet master of him, and she's really pulling the strings. So when I see things like this, it definitely piques my curiosity. It makes me go, hmm, hmm. Still not turned on Patrick Reed. I'm still not a fan of him. Just, just He just rubs me the wrong way. But there's just a glimmer. There's just a glimmer there. There's just there's a speck of hope for him that he's in, under some sort of regime. The Justine regime that's controlling him. And she has him in her back pocket regardless of what's going on. I don't know what she has on him. But it's something. Couple more quick stories, and I'll get out of here. Uh, Brooks Kepka. I wrote a blog on this, and we still don't have last week, and we still don't have an answer. So he announced that he had lost 20, 24, 25 pounds over the course of the last four months. It was something he was doing intentionally. Um, it's something that affected his game, affected his lifestyle, and it's almost done. And we'll find out why. Well, he said this last Tuesday, I believe. He said we'd find out on Wednesday. Wednesday came and went. I sent a couple tweets out to some golf writers. Didn't hear back. Brooks never mentioned why. All he said was, you'll see. So maybe he didn't really mean, like, I'll tell you. He just literally meant, like, you're going to see. But if you look at his stats over the last four months or so, he's definitely not the Brooks Kepka that we had seen. He was on an absolute tear. Like, he was winning everything. Um, Then he kind of went into a slump, and he's kind of coming out of it again. But... My at first I thought you know what maybe he has some sort of allergy maybe it's some sort of like gluten thing or like he's trying to go vegan or whatever and he's removing meat from his diet and that's the change he's trying doing this for the better in the long term that's what I thought but after reading some of his quotes I don't know like he said he's really looking forward to eating a hamburger he said it was for a reason 
but we're going to find out. Um, just a couple of other things that lead me at least to believe that he did all this for some sort of photo shoot. And the biggest photo shoot, shoot I can think of would be the ESPN body issue. So my guess is that Brooks Kepka is going to be in the ESPN body issue. And he threw away four months of his career to trim up for this body issue. And this is a guy who was already jacked. Like, this guy's yoked. He is, like, he's too big for a golfer. Like, his, he looks like Popeye. When he's swinging a golf club, it looks like a twig. And um, so I thought maybe he was slimming up for that reason. But if, it, if my premonition and my instinct is correct, which, I mean, based on how the show started, I think there's an inkling that my instincts in golf are pretty good, but I'm not going to talk about it. Um... But yeah, Brooks, if he's doing this, if he just threw away a couple months of his career, granted, there was no majors or anything, but you never know what you're going to get when you change your body like that. And if he was doing this just for a photo shoot, my initial reaction is to say, like, that is ridiculous, you're an idiot. But the more I think of it, it's kind of growing on me, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't know why I keep saying to be honest with you. Of course I'm going to be honest with you. It's my podcast. Anyways, yeah, I don't know. I think Brooks, I think it's great. That he, not okay. It's not great. I think Brooks doing this is it's one of the most vain things I've ever heard of in my life. But I like that because if you're gonna have to look at this issue of you naked in a magazine, if that's what it is, for the next 10, 15 years, if you're looking a little flabby, if you got a little little uh, little gut, a little bit of extra, a little muffin top, something like that, you're just gonna get ripped apart, especially when you have this uh, reputation as this big jacked guy. Now, maybe he did have a little bit of extra extra flab on there after maybe he uh, ate a couple too many donuts or something before he decided to do this. So who knows? But I don't know. I just think it's funny that uh, he sort of has this mystery of him losing weight. And if it's just for him to do a photo shoot and look better. Um, yeah, I'm, flip, I'm flipping back and forth on it. But I think I'm going to end up on the side of I like the move because if it's that important to him to look good, hey, go out there and look good. One last thing, uh, Robert Garrigus. Robert Garrigus was suspended from the PJ Tour, not the first time he's been suspended, but he was suspended for marijuana use. Uh, he put out a memo, like a press release saying, although he takes full responsibility, uh, it is a little bit interesting. I'm definitely paraphrasing because the tone of it wasn't, he wasn't trying to um, like say, I don't deserve the suspension. He was legitimately owning up to it, but he did mention the fact that this is something that's legal in most states in well, not I don't know about most. A lot of states in the U.S. and it's legal in all of Canada now, and it's only going to be coming to the forefront more legally. So, sort of strange to suspend a guy for this. There's more to it that I want to add, but uh, reminded me one of the quotes in Dylan Dether's blog about caddying was another caddy had mentioned to him that there's a guy on the web dot com tour that. Uh, well, this is tongue-in-cheek, I don't know or not, but he said he'd rather play on the web.com tour because he can literally smoke weed during those rounds. <laughs> so, to each their own. But the thing about, to me, that stands out, like, sure, if you want to suspend players for this, I don't think it's a suspendable offense, but whatever. Um, but there's a huge double standard here from the PGA Tour because if you remember a few years ago, Dustin Johnson got suspended for the second half of a season. I think this is only a two or, th- or three-month suspension, but Dustin Johnson's was a six-month suspension um, and the PJ Tour didn't announce why. It was just sort of, it was sort of up in the air. Everyone put the pieces together and concluded that it was because he was doing a bunch of coke with Paulina, breaking a bunch of rules, doing a lot of bad things. But 
the PJ Tour never announced that. That was just left up to us to surmise. And for all we know, that could be wrong. I mean, there is enough evidence to point that that's at least one of the reasons why. But in this case, they're just throwing Robert Garrigus under the bus. Now, is that because they're changing their policies, something that they haven't mentioned? Or is it because Robert Garrigus isn't a star player that people are necessarily paying their hard-earned money to go out to watch? Sponsors are, aren't forking out money for Robert Garrigus, but they are forking over money for Dustin Johnson. So if they announce that Dustin Johnson is doing this, and that's why he's suspended, then that might create a problem for the tour. But you've got to be transparent with things. If I'm Robert Garrigus, I'd almost be thinking of suing. Like, oh, so you're just going to throw me out there and my name out there and exactly what I did. But then when Dustin Johnson gets suspended, you're going, and they should have suspended him earlier from all accounts than they did. You're having his back and protecting him to the nth degree, and then you're just going to multiple times throw me right under the bus. That doesn't add up. And I'm not saying like I'm some huge Robert Garrigus stan or anything like that. I just don't think that this is fair. And I would be a little bit ticked off if I were Robert Garrigus. <laughs> that's that's yeah. That's pretty much it for this week. Uh, definitely check out the uh, my blog, teeningoffblog.com. I am going to. I didn't do opening round picks for the uh, WGC match play. I literally spent. I'm honestly, I'm not exaggerating. At least six hours putting together spreadsheets and groups and things for the match play. But I just couldn't get. Every time I would run a simulation or something, put everything through my. My formulas, it would just it would be like eleven of the sixteen winners of the groups were favorites, and then I'd go through like it would always just come up. The odds are always going to be in favor. Uh, it'll be like fifty six to forty four percent that you know like Dustin Johnson is going to beat some guy, a lesser guy. But in one round of golf, and it's a round robin. There's so many factors to say like for a guy to get through to win his group and then knock off the Sweet Sixteen, the Elite Eight, the Final Four, and the and the, the championship. There's so many factors to go in that at this point, I don't think putting. 20 bucks or 50 bucks on Dustin Johnson at 10 to 1 is really worth the value. Um, and I mean, yeah. What I'm trying to say is fr- come Friday when the round robin's over, I'm going to put out my picks and bets. And I know I'm not going to count it towards my year long thing because it's not fair of me to just narrow it down to 16 golfers and then try and say I nailed the winner. I won't do that. Um, I also won't mention that I have four winners this year. And um, well above 60% in matchups. But I won't mention that. I just want to say check out teamupblog.com. Check out it out on Friday for the picks. I'm also trying to put up as many other blogs as I can, just get as much content out there. You never know what's going to hit, what's going to go viral, what someone might see. Uh, also follow me on Twitter at RJMCCOLOUGH. That's RJ McCullough. And on Instagram, teamupblog. That is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Have a nice week weekend.